everybody who's listening hi mom who's listening <laughs> hi grandma hi hi the two people hi sammy my sister who i have forced to listen to this <laughs> and sammy's dog knocks thank you for also <laughs> listening to it with sammy well it's nice to meet you person listening character listening to us characters yep nice welcome welcome we're excited to have you we're you're probably listening. Who are these two people? Uh, I'm Emily. Nice to meet you. I live in New York City. I am a huge reader. I practically live in young adult fantasy, but it will read anything from true crime biographies to The Hungry Caterpillar. Um, (laughs) That's a great book. He's a hungry, hungry caterpillar. He is. He is. And uh, the best place, in my opinion, to read is by a body of water but the rooftop the rooftop will do ma'am that was an excellent introduction <laughs> i've been practicing great uh, my name's kylie uh, i live in brooklyn new york i am 25 year old girl slash woman um stuck in this body with the spirit of a grandpa who loves abba that's really what it comes down to on this end um i love to read <laughs> to read you know i think we just missed abba in the the, i think we did (laughs) i think they just waltzed right by this this very high-tech studio that we're recording in i know you should have seen them guys they were great fabulous stuff i mean truly oh the outfits (laughs) um but yes so we are we're the characters this is characters chat um emily and i go way back we were we were friends we met freshman year of college we lived on the same floor and instantly uh were struck by each other's opinions and books yep and no one dared do the math on that so you find out our age i already said <laughs> my age no oh. <laughs> we'll cut that bit we'll yeah cut yeah, yeah. Bit. we'll cut that bit we'll cut the age Edit it out. <laughs> no one will know Oh, man, I'm They're not a girl, know. not yet a woman. Oh, I like that we went two different routes there. We went for the millennial and the Gen Z. And I'm not even movement. on TikTok. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> Cry. So a little bit um, about our our podcast, what we do. We're, hit us up on social media. Hit the like button. Follow all of it. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok with at characters chat don't forget the s and if you ever want to talk to us our inboxes are always open our email is characters pod chat at gmail.com once again that's characters pod chat at gmail.com and hit us up you know this the best way to describe this pod chat because we're just having sitting around is this is the book club for everyone um Everyone's a character. Be whoever you want to be. You know, sometimes you're the main character and sometimes you're the witchy aunt. And that's fine. True. All that we ask is that you just commit to whatever character you've decided to be today. You know? Exactly. And, you know, this is is for for you. So email us. Tell us what you want us to read. We're always looking for recommendations and suggest a book. Be a guest. We're happy to have you. Yes. Okay. So I want to take a moment here and kind of give you an idea 
of what to expect from the characters, what to expect from characters' chat, just so you know what you're walking into. Um, our obsession is characters, you know, character development. Uh, we think characters kind of make the story. But we also are kind of in love with every type of character. You, we want we want to hear more from the villain. We want to hear more from the hero. And we're rooting for all of them secretly, you know? I want the best friend to succeed always. Oh, um, of course. <laughs> exactly. But we are also, like Emily said, an amateur book club. We started this because throughout the pandemic and, and, and a little bit before that, so many of our friends came up and were always like, man, I wish I was in a book club. Like, it'd be so fun to be in a book club. Mm-hmm. And finally we were like, why don't we just make a book club that everybody could be part of? Exactly. I remember when I moved to the city almost two years ago, the first thing I did was look at a book club to join. But I got so intimidated because everyone looked like they had already had a bond and and it just looked already so homey. And I was like, I, you know, that maybe they don't like the books that I read. Maybe I don't like the books that they pick, you know? So very much the book club for everyone. Right. We are not book snobs. In fact, we don't like this podcast. This this book club really doesn't have any rules. Everyone's welcome to join. Um, the only rule that we the characters Emily and I will stick to is that every episode, our number one rule is that we have to read the entire book. You following along at home, do what you will. You know, it's your life. If you start a book, you don't finish it. You just want to hear two gals chat about books and drink some wine. Like, that's fine. Live your life. Um, But for the most part, that is our only rule for this podcast is that Emily and I will always read the full book and our guest are largely going to be the people who decide which books we read. So they are going to suggest, they're going to bring their book to their table, bring the genre to the table, and then we are just Mm -hmm. going to run with it. Um, At the end of every episode, we will tease the next book we're going to read so you can get a jump start. Um, And so you can start reading along with us and so you can be all caught up before our next episode comes out. Yeah, exactly. And not really a rule, but more of a question if anyone out there knows how to become a book cover model, any knowledge, you know, we're not we're not looking to be one. Just curious, like how the heck do you get that job? I you know, mean, I who reaches mean, out to who in that case? Who is this Fabio on the cover of every romance novel? Right? How the heck do we meet him and be? Oh my him? gosh, what Nickelodeon show did he pop up on? Fabio. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Someone's probably everyone. I'm thinking, oh God, I'm thinking David Hasselhoff's appearance in SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And that is not Fabio by any stretch of the means. Great man. No, but there's this, there was an episode where Fabio popped up and he like whisked away the mom. (laughs) We'll come back to that guys. We'll come back to that. Uh, okay stay tuned before we jump into anything you know obviously yes if you're a book cover model please reach out to us we have so many questions but we just want to say before we start talking about our book today which i'm about to introduce disclaimer we are talking books we're gonna talk the whole book if you have not read the whole book and feel that you're going to be mad at us for spoiling crucial plot points kindly go please go far far these are your these are your flashing lights stop listening i like spoilers so i would keep listening 
So if you're like me, go for it. But if you are not, do not send an angry email. Do not send, do an angry comment. Don't we will not respond. Yelp review. We will not gonna, respond. Yeah, or I will is... respond when I'm drunk and it's not going to be nice. <laughs> and I will proof it. <laughs> um, and if you're like Emily and you're the kind of person who skips to the end of a book first. Reads the last page always. I don't understand. But I mean, I guess listen on because we aren't spoiling anything you haven't spoiled for yourself already. Exactly. So without further ado, Kylie, tell us what we're reviewing. Woo! Okay, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please. Today, we <laughs> our first book of book club, which you have likely already seen from the title of this episode, is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, really quick, I'm going to jump in here, and I am going to wrote a little synopsis for it. Um, so I'm going to give you, if you haven't read it, but you would like to understand you know what it's about, this is for you. Up-and-coming journalist Monique Grant is handpicked for the exclusive of a lifetime. Hollywood legend Evelyn Hugo is ready to talk about her life, scandals and all, despite her fiercely private demeanor throughout her career. No exclusive to this degree has ever been given before. Grant, of course, agrees and is quickly pulled into the adventurous, fabulous, and infamous past of Evelyn Hugo. Hugo is a girl from Hell's Kitchen in New York City, and instantly you feel she has something to prove. She's wicked smart, ruthless, and above all, almost supernaturally beautiful. She uses her beauty and husband number one to get herself from New York to L.A. and finally into the movies. Her stardom skyrockets and her story truly begins to twist and turn. As she fights her way through the grit and glamour of Hollywood, people become obsessed with her and her story. She starts to turn over husbands almost as the seasons change. As her life and career both advance, you begin to see behind the blonde bombshell's classic image and learn the seven husbands, the spectacular career, splashy friends, and the superstar herself aren't what the magazines paint them to be. As Monique Grant hears the story firsthand for the first time in history, she empathizes, becomes inspired, and then turns enraged by the fairy tale that is Evelyn Hugo. And by the end of the book, you may too. We discover the smoke and mirror behind Hollywood stories, the weight of the truth, and the length people will go to become a legend. Woo! Oh, ah. thank you. Thank that you. Thank you for the goosebumps validation. all over again. Thank um, you. I really we hop into. <laughs> Before we hop into the, you know, the bread and butter, the characters, just a little background on, you know, more of the book itself, where it came from, how Kylie and I found it, and also the incredible author that is Taylor Jenkins Reid. As a little bit of background, she's a Los Angeles native. She has also written probably one of her more well-known books is Daisy Jones and the Six, Another Life, After I Do forever interrupted in our new book that Kylie and I are extremely excited about is Malibu Rising. It's kind of has the same vibes as Evelyn Hugo. It's about a family, a very famous family and how one night um, everything turns. So we're very excited about that. A little bit more about Reed in an interview with She Reads in 2019 written by Ashley Johnson. Reed said her favorite books were The Great Gatsby the Little Prince, The Most of Nora, and The Color Purple. Aww. And wow, what a selection. I, I mean, 
it takes a turn at the little prince and that kind of oh makes my heart you know right 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 those are good books good job reed yeah and i the question was you know if you're stranded on a deserted island and you could take three to five what would you bring oh my gosh what a question ashley johnson genius yeah go johnson a little bit more about the book it is a little bit older it was published in 2017 by atria which is an imprint of simon and schuster one of the big powerhouses in the publishing world yeah definitely um also i wanted to jump in according to a 2019 deadline article by denise petsky an adaptation is also in the works you know um it was the rights were bought by freeform and fox 21 television studios they're supposedly the ones behind the adaptation I also heard that Daisy Jones and the Six is being picked up as well. I think it might be on Amazon Prime. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but it's supposed to be a series as well. Oh, God. Don't quote us on anything. (laughs) Yeah. These are just our opinions. (laughs) Amateur book club. Amateur book club. Amateur. Amateur. Um, We did get this book using our Book of the Month subscription. I've been wanting to read this book for months and haven't been able to get it anywhere which after reading it i understand why it's that good oh yeah um but was we were able to add it as an add-on to our book of the month subscription and i mean we jumped goodness. in we jumped in we jumped, okay we jumped speaking right in of jumping in really quick just before we do um emily like did you have any expectations of the book before you started reading it did you know anything about the story before you started or was it just like I know I have to read this I got to get my hands on it I knew absolutely nothing (laughs) same Same. (laughs) nothing I mean obviously like the the description on the jacket cover read that I think it was available online I was like "Ooh, this is like this sounds good it was recommended to me by a friend and I actually saw it in her Instagram story and I was just like, wow, that book cover is gorgeous. Never judge a book by a cover. We always do. That's why we asked about book cover models in the beginning of this podcast. I mean, who is this gorgeous woman in the green dress for real? I mean, I guess it's Evelyn Hugo, but like. Right. I mean, good for her. Yeah. So, you know, reached out and since then it has been on my TBR and finally checking it off was very satisfying. I agree. I think what it, about I feel you? like it Did was you... like, oh, same. No, I had no expectations at all. I think that it was just the moment the book hit the scene. It was like summer of 2017, I think. It was just mm-hmm. all, like I heard about everybody was like, well, you've got to read Evelyn Hugo. Like you have to read mm-hmm. Seven Husbands. I'm like, well, okay. Okay, we will do. Okay, we will do. I think, <laughs> I don't know why I had the expectation that it was a story about a spy. I really thought she was going to be a spy. And she's not. Spoiler alert. Uh, but she kind of is. I mean, yeah, ooh. I mean, yeah. You know, I feel like that's an excellent segue into the characters. The characters on the characters chat, aka the whole reason we're here. Um, Emily, would you like to introduce the main players of the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo? Absolutely. So obviously, the main character is Evelyn Hugo herself. Kylie gave a great description about her in the beginning. She is this Hollywood starlet who made her way fighting tooth and nail to get to the top to where she was and finding out about her very private life that she was always tight-lipped about. 
think oh. Rita hate you got that? <laughs> I was just about to say, like, if you need like image of Evelyn Hugo in your head, like think Rita Hayworth, old Hollywood, but like also mixed with like the gossip and everything that was tied to Marilyn Monroe throughout her career. Um and then I think you would have like a really well rounded Evelyn Hugo right there, for real. Honestly, yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, good. Best way to put it. Okay, so next up, so we've got Evelyn, we've got our Rita Hayworth, Marilyn Monroe. Um, next on the list, Monique Grant. Monique is the journalist at the center of this story. She is the one who is logging the life of Evelyn Hugo, and she's having to kind of like sift through the story and, and find what's true. Um, Emily, passing it to you. Yeah, and then the next player that you – in Taylor Jenkins Reid really brought her in a way. She's not a main character immediately. She becomes a character, a main character throughout the story, which was so beautifully well done, is Celia St. James. She is a colleague of Evelyn Hugo's. They ran in the same um, circle. They were in the same movie. They were in Little Women together, and that's how they're – acknowledgement of each other began Mm, choice word acknowledgement okay (laughs) after celia we've got poor ernie diaz and then after poor ernie diaz we have goddamn don adler gullible mick riva clever rex north brilliant kind-hearted tortured harry cameron disappointing max gerard and then the agreeable robert jameson those are the seven husbands emily I know you had an interesting theory about them, and I would like to hear more about it. What were your thoughts on the seven husbands? I did. So immediately, seven husbands, anything seven, you think of the seven deadly sins, right? Well, uh, you did. I was blown (laughs) away by when you said that, because my brain didn't immediately jump to that kind of comparison. I mean, it totally, yeah, that absolutely makes sense, the seven-seven, like lucky seven connection. But I'm intrigued Mm -hmm. at how you connected them. Let's hear them. I did. So... We're going to discuss the plot a little bit here, guys. So once again, spoiler, like last spoiler mention here. (laughs) Turn it off if you don't want to hear anymore. So for poor Ernie Diaz, Evelyn comes to meet him because she knows what her body looks like. She's very uh, va-va-voom at the age of 14 and very young, like very young age. So she hears that Ernie is going to Hollywood to work on lighting and she's like, that's my ticket, husband number one. He becomes husband number one. And he immediately fell for her because of how she looks. So I picked him for lust. That makes sense. I stand by that. Thank you. And then going into goddamn Don Adler. I mean, the name gives it away. He's the second husband. They Do they do a movie together? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is how and they, they meet and everything. Right. Dive and in. So at this point, Evelyn kind of uses this marriage to skyrocket her Hollywood career. But the Don Adler that's portrayed to the public is not who he is behind closed doors. He's a drunk. He's violent. He says disgusting, degrading things to her and ends up physically abusing her. So I picked him for wrath. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, of all the husbands, like really thinking about the whole story in the full picture, Yes, I don't. It, violent is that one of the seven sins? Because that can be another one. You know, he was an angry right. guy. 
He just, he wasn't happy with himself and he took it out on those around him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He was a spiraling character. I mean, Mm -hmm. he really did. Like every, he was like a tornado. Anything he touched. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like he was very physical, like literally anything he touched. He was so physical and violent. So going into the next husband, which was gullible Mick Riva, Riva, she basically tricks this guy into marrying her because she needed to be launched back into the spotlight and they got drunk in Vegas. She knew exactly what she was doing and they ended up getting an annulment, but he was so infatuated with this idea of Evelyn Hugo that I put Mick for greed. I kind of like that because it was more, yeah, it's not greed like in the sense of money and fame, although like you think Evelyn Hugo and you, like she's the epitome of money and fame at this point in her career. So yeah, like that that fits for greed. That does. I like your argument, girl. Thank you. I thought long and hard about this. I you did. I'm very impressed. Thank you. So we're going next into the clever Rex North. Rex and Evelyn were another movie set together and they had such great chemistry they just thought what if we get married and and launch this movie to the next level so they did and they were both on the same page they slept in different bedrooms except sometimes rex would linger at her door trying Mm. to win her over and there is a very the scene was so well written when she was like get out yeah very well done and it, they end up getting divorced because he gets a, another movie star pregnant. She was actually in a movie with Evelyn in, the, in Little Women together. And so because he just wanted and wanted more, I have him for gluttony. That fits. Although, I mean, to be fair, what he wanted more was a life like love right and it was completely reasonable but he was also very much the hollywood um bad boy yeah he had that image at least that's how i picture i kind of pictured him as like a kit harrington a little bit (laughs) (laughs) but kit harrington i i don't see him being so um oh my gosh like being uh ambitious like that because that, I mean, that's exactly what Rex North did is they entered into the marriage with this mutual understanding of like, we're doing this movie together and we know if there's drama in our lives, like we're falling in love, we're getting married, we're getting divorced. Mm-hmm. All of these moves are just to launch our names further into everybody's homes. You know, they've re- they're becoming nationally known people by, by their power moves. It's all power moves. Exactly. Yeah. Very smart. Very smart people. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Clever Rex North. Clever Rex North. So the next husband, who does not start as a husband, the brilliant, kind-hearted, tortured Harry Cameron is one of Evelyn's best friends. I think she says he is the only best friend she's ever had. Their chemistry and just banter in the book is amazing. They are not afraid to be honest with each other. and They are open and they... They really started at the bottom together and worked their way up. Harry is not a movie star. He is a, Kylie, keep me honest, a producer. Yes. Yeah. You're correct. So Harry has a lot going on internally. He 
is trying to figure out this minefield of Hollywood while also staying true to his values. And, oh man, my reasoning for this one's like... <laughs> no, 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 no. I can... When I see that... No, no, no. I say you go for it. I think yeah. that you're on the right track. Like, so far, everyone is fit. And I think... Because you've, you've said that he is pride. Um, right. Which is almost... I mean... <laughs> I'm not it's saying he's pride because he, right? I'm not saying he's pride because he's gay. No, right? that but is he had too much pride here. to live how he like it, his yes. true life. Yes, yes, he he like Evelyn, extremely ambitious, and they're willing to do things to maintain the reputation and to maintain the social standing and to maintain the financial success that they've been able to gather. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's willing to encourage Evelyn to do the same. Uh, I think pride is absolutely, absolutely something that Harry has. Um, I mean, I, I don't think, think that you could be in Hollywood and not have that. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think you can be in Hollywood and not have all of these, right? Like a little yeah, bit of probably, everything. Probably. And so poor Harry. And I think his pride was ultimately his downfall, yeah. right? Because yeah. he expected... I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but he expected Monique's dad to leave his life and be with him. Yeah. He didn't, he wasn't like, Harry wasn't going to change his life and his career um, because of what he was holding on to. And he wanted love and poor thing. I mean, he, he went through the ringer and, but in the end, what got him was he wasn't ready he was too proud of himself and too scared to be yeah. to be himself because yeah. he was so proud of the image he had built. Yeah. And like, I mean, like you said, though, play on words like they, it's there's so much depth to Harry as a character because there's this pride that he's established in his career and his relationship. And you have to think of the timing of the book and everything, everything that was playing into it. Um, but it is so interesting that it was it was that pride that also probably kept him safe. Right. He was time. always very smart and to not let others into his private life, very much like Evelyn Hugo, yeah. who is bisexual. Yeah. We haven't I mean, even touched on that. Yeah. But that's absolutely, I mean, it's, that's so interesting that it was the pride that kept him safe, but it was also the pride that brought him down. Mm-hmm. Okay. I subscribe to this theory, ma'am. Would you like to close it out? What are our last two seven deadly sins? So our last two, we have disappointing Max Gerard, and I have him for envy in the book. He is very possessive of Evelyn ever since he directed a movie that she was in, and they end up getting uh, a divorce because he found Evelyn's letters to Celia St. James. So he, you know, wanted her to himself and got extremely jealous and so that is why I have him for envy I like it yeah envious man envious man and then finally we have the agreeable Robert Jameson who is Celia St. James brother he is the last husband of Evelyn they were together I think the longest if I remember correctly He's not in the story much, but he was so agreeable and just so willing to go through the plans that they put together that I do have him for sloth because he really didn't do much. 
I was, yeah, I will say that that's probably, of all your theories, the loosest one, but it mm-hmm. definitely fits in that, like, of all the characters, like, he really wasn't one that was crucial to the plot point, but he was crucial to keeping their lives secret and safe. Agreed. So he's a sloth by personality. Maybe not by, right. by you know, ambition and character and actions, but... Absolutely, because he was a successful <laughs> businessman. I think he, he was, was just kind of a... No? No, Wait. that was the one they started the room, the affair, the ru- the affair right. with. Um, You're the, correct. You're correct. Yeah, the youngin. He yes. was like 25. My God, what a life Evelyn Hugo led. All of these, dra- like all the drama, all the stories, all the scandal that just followed her at every turn. What a life she led. All right, so we just ran through these list of characters. Let's kind of give you a spiderweb image, right? We have Evelyn Hugo at the center. We have her seven husbands, the ones I just went through, but we also have her wife, which is Celia St. James. Remember, she's the sister of Robert Jameson, her last husband. So how does Monique tie into all of this, right? I did mention that Harry Cameron was driving in love with Monique's dad. At the time, Monique's dad and her mom were married. Harry kind of expected Monique's dad to come live another life with him. I mean, the weight of that. The The weight of that. Oof. And what happens is they do get into a car wreck. Harry was driving and Monique's dad did not survive. Harry was drunk, which is a problem he developed later in life um, after the passing of another, another one of his loves. Um, and Monique finds out and that is how the Hollywood image of Evelyn Hugo is shattered. Oh, what a good way of putting that because it was like, it really, really was like Evelyn was such a, like a crystal ball of a person, like just not real. Mm -hmm. And then, and she kept saying like throughout the whole book, like Evelyn kept saying like, I am not a good guy in this story. Like just wait. I, I, Mm -hmm. you, you will not think of me as the hero of my own story. And then she delivers that blow of, yeah, they were in the car and yeah, Harry was drunk and yeah, I did what I needed to do to protect my friend after my friend had suffered such a terrible loss of losing John. Yeah. His former lover, who's maybe my favorite character in the whole book. He was a good one. Husband. They were all beards for each other. John. Big, big athlete John, who all I want to do is ask him to, like, lift me and throw me around and, like, <laughs> so, like ride on his back. Maybe play tag in the park together. He just seems like such a lovable character, but he was he a was. secondary character in all of this. Still mm-hmm. a main player in our hearts. Um, but, yeah, one of the many secondary characters. Emily, I have to ask. Uh, we've been introduced to these main players now, and we've seen you, you've – created a spider web, created a picture for us of how they're connected. Mm-hmm. Do you like this cast of characters? Do you like this ensemble? I do. I think with the the primary characters, the one we ran through and the secondary characters that we've we've touched on gave just an interesting story. You had so many character troops in there and just done so well. It was it was so, and I mean, Taylor Jenkins Reid just brought it all together in her fantastic way of writing of 
what the hell? <laughs> yeah, no, straight up. That's what a great, you know, well spoken. Well said, Emily. Well said. I um I like how she almost created like stereotypes of the characters, which in a way, when you think of celebrities and you think of people in Hollywood, like that is how we kind of view everyone in Hollywood. It's essentially just a stereotype of who they are. A character caricature of who they are is probably a real mm-hmm. person. Um and she leaned into that. I mean, by saying, like, by labeling all the husbands as, you know, poor Ernie Diaz, goddamn Don, Don Adler, um, agreeable Robert Jameson, like, we are instantly introduced to this stereotype, this caricature of who they are as an actual person. And then you dive into the chapter and you see behind closed doors and you, you get to understand them a little more and you see, like, oh, this stereotype is truly just smoke and mirrors it's just a facade Mm -hmm. it's not real none of it's real it was that i loved that it was loved so well and it kind of makes you think like which one of my celebrity crushes is the evelyn oh my gosh yes 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 or like who who do i have these like expectations of in my head where i've built them up and then like in reality is it just all fake like you know you like think of celebrity marriages that you're like oh my god i'm like i love like Mm -hmm. everybody when they talk about Evelyn Hugo's life and all of her husbands and everything, they talk about Harry Cameron, for example, and they're like, ugh, poor Evelyn. Like, he was the love of her life, and he mm-hmm. died in such a tragic way. And in reality, they were just, I mean, best friends, but they weren't. The image that everybody had of them was not at all what was going on. Not um, at all. I think about that. Like, who, who are my celebrity couples who I'm obsessed with? Who are my Evelyn and Harry Cameron? Well, half of them are all divorced, right? I mean, you you see that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just good point. So many people in Hollywood have gotten divorced, and it's like, are they going to another another role like Chris Pratt and Anna Faris? What was? Ooh, was it a was it a power move? Was this it, or was it like a Hollywood heartbreak? Was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, girl, Hollywood's so interesting. Ah. I mean, Honestly, it's, a, it's a mess, but it's so interesting. It is a mess. <laughs> okay, we could talk about characters forever because obviously this is character strat. Um, but what we're actually going to do now is we're going to segue into our standing segments. So every single episode, we are going to have a few, a handful of segments that we do every single time. They're rapid fire. They're quick questions. Um, and we're going to kind of dive into them um and you can expect a few of these every single time we talk about a book so we want you to think about your own answers too if it's a standing segment we want to know like do you agree with what we're saying or do you have your own thoughts and opinions and share with us like tell us what you like answer these questions (laughs) because like clearly this is all just two gals opinions so let's see your opinion as well (laughs) let's everybody yell out into the void Okay, ah. first stand, standing segment. We're going to do this every episode. Emily, who, which character from the book are you hanging with and what activity are you doing? I am honestly, I'm going straight for it. I am hanging out with Evelyn Hugo. I feel like her and I just could would try to <laughs> read each other across the table all night. And I would actually yeah. love to play poker with her. I was just about to say, when you said that visual, knowing you, for folks listening at home, Emily is a spitfire of a person. She is strong. She is fierce. (laughs) And she is very honest. Like, she's straightforward, you know? And I'm picturing you being blunt, honest, 
with this woman who is strong, formidable, but never honest a day Never in honest. Life. Ooh, I was picturing the two of you playing chess, <laughs> but poker oh my works God. Well, if too. I knew, maybe, but I know how to play poker. Oh, we can watch Queen's Gambit again. Maybe we'll learn. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cross the cross the fingers underneath the chin. We can just stare at the <laughs> ceiling until something appears. Pop some pills. <laughs> this will be great. We're gonna learn chess. No time. No time. All right, Kai. Who are you hanging okay. with? What activity? Yes. So, <laughs> I my activity is that I'm acting in Little Women alongside Celia St. James and Evelyn Hugo, and I'm doing Ooh. everything I can to just ride their coattails. Which I know. which sister are you though? <laughs> I thought about this because we already know Evelyn kills it as Joe, who is who I would want to be. Obviously, I mean, we started a book club podcast. Clearly, we both want to be Joe. Um, yeah, that's actually a question later. In- and <laughs> we obviously want to be Joe, but and and um, Celia like wins the Oscar for per- her portrayal of Beth. So I know I can't be Joe, and I know I can't be Beth. So I know for a fact I'm gonna end up as Amy. <laughs> I'm making a cast of my feet for Lori so he knows they're always so small. <laughs> oh, gosh, because that's exactly, I mean, that would be my personality. It's just I crushing mean, just on Lori. just take Meg, girl. Don't be Amy. <laughs> I wish I could be Meg, but you know what? I don't I don't have that, like, ethereal beauty that Meg has. You know, like, she's oh, like, oh, I'm that. settled. I'm, I'm settled, and I know what I want out of my life. I'm absolutely Amy, who's like, I want to be a painter, and then it becomes a painter. And she's like, actually, no, and... That's take it, me that's on a tour. Take me on a tour of Europe. Exactly, and not like the cool Amy portrayal in the new movie. I am like book Amy who burns pages Ye- in a book, and sucks. Mm-hmm. What yeah. can you do? What, oh, what's the <laughs> Greta Gerwig gave her a life. Oh yes. Oh my gosh, Greta Gerwig made her like someone someone you could relate to. She made her a favorite. Well, Greta Gerwig and of course um, the actress who portrayed her, whom we love, of course. Who I am forgetting her name right now. Florence Pugh. Thank you. I kept thinking Zach Braff, which sucks. <laughs> why did my name? Why did my brain go to that first? Um, we love you both. Um, I wanted to note though that I want to be in this movie just to like you know see them in action and see them become friends, see them start to fall in love. But as a mm-hmm. note, I can guarantee I would be oblivious to the sexual tension the whole time. I would just be like, look at these four best friends hanging out. We're all so great. This is the best. We're all and then sisters. They would, be like, <laughs> they would be in love, and I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> we whoa. are sisters. <laughs> we stand together. Exactly. We'd be the cheetah girls of the 1950s and 60s. Ooh. Exactly. That's what I would want. That's my activity. Okay. That wasn't as rapid fire as we maybe expected, but folks at home, who are you hanging with? What activity are you doing? The next segment Standing segment, rapid fire. Emily, who would win in a fight? Which character wins in a fight? But I need you to set the scene for your fight. Who is fighting who? Where are they fighting? Why would they win? All right. Exactly. So I am setting the scene. I'm doing a star is born type moment where Evelyn is accepting her award for winning something. This is all imaginary. This doesn't happen in the book, right? No. So she is she's accepting her award. Don Adler goes up there, stumbles up there drunk, and this is her moment to just beat his ass. Ooh. Wow. I like the picture you just painted. And she's going to win. I agree with you. Because she she has a lot of pent up anger. 
just a bit, just a touch, just a splash of anger. Wow, yeah, she would win, and she would win in front of everybody. She would mm-hmm. win on live television, and they would not cut to commercial. They would show nope. that because it would be so shocking. Ooh, I love that. That's good. Okay, Thank mine you. is less. Mine is less good. <laughs> um, mine, I'm thinking um, in a boxing ring, just for fun, just to box. Um, <laughs> and it's tag team. It's Evelyn Hugo and John Celia St. James's husband. We got the muscle. And then we have the Ooh. ambition and the grit. And I think the two of them as a team would literally beat anyone that they came up against. Okay. Who are they fighting? Or just like literally anyone? Well, it's literally anyone. I think that they could gotcha. tackle anyone, especially though, if it was someone who challenged Celia, obviously, because they both Ooh. adored her. But uh, for fun purposes, it's just a boxing ring. They're gotcha. just like my new boxers. It's like the fight, you know, that people can buy on pay-per-view but it's Evelyn Hugo and John. I like it. I support it. Thanks. Okay, folks at home, who wins in a fight? Set your scene. Let's hear it. The Uh, next Jake Paul, are you taking on Evelyn Hugo? (laughs) Evelyn Hugo. She's winning. She's going to (laughs) win. Oh, God. Um, Okay, standing segment. The next one. Who is the biggest villain and who is the biggest hero? Okay. I think that, and we haven't touched on this character, but the biggest villain in in my eyes is not Evelyn Hugo. It's, like I said, someone we haven't seen, um, discussed really, and her name is Ruby Riley. Ooh. She is the one who ousted Celia St. James and when she pulled Evelyn into um, a side at a party. And then after... Evelyn divorces Don Adler, Ruby, like they're immediately engaged and she's just not a girl's girl. She wasn't there for her friend. She only cared about getting herself to the top in more of a negative way than Evelyn did. So in my eyes, she is the biggest villain. I mean, she really, you say that and she really is like the picture of ambition like willingness mm-hmm. to do whatever it takes to get to the top. That's interesting. Do you still think like because you know how she like eventually marries Don Adler, goddamn mm-hmm. Don Adler, and like he proves to be abusive and she confronts mm-hmm. Evelyn and is like, you know, you didn't say anything. That's interesting cuz it's like yeah, like like Ruby was the villain villain throughout the story. I wonder if Evelyn felt remorse. Mm-hmm in that moment I don't think she did just because Evelyn was like this isn't benefiting me anymore Ooh, I remember reading in the story that Evelyn would probably need to add Ruby to her list of victims as well mm-hmm. and I remember reading that line and just being like oh my god like gut punch in my stomach because it was it's like a villain that we just were like when Ruby was out of the picture it was almost like a relief Mm-hmm. Because it's not like she was, like, a villain who was, like, the main arch nemesis of everyone. But she was right. someone who was just kind of poisonous to be around. She was. She was toxic. And I think Dang. she's the one who introduced, like, you know, she's the one who encouraged Evelyn to stay with Don throughout their times together, too. And so, Very to me, she's the biggest, the biggest villain. And the second part, you know, who's the biggest hero? Going back through the list and I 
who the, the story's written that there are really no heroes, but I think <laughs> I said the same thing. <laughs> I think to pick one, it would have to be Monique because Dang. she is the one. She has all the power here. Like she has the potential to be the hero. Same. And I think the her having the potential means so much more than her. Like you know, she's not lifting cars up off of someone with a broken leg or like getting a kitten out of a tree, but she she's the only one who knows all of this. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And she's also the only character who's like. Because I put her, too, as she's my biggest hero. I said Monique mm-hmm. Grant. Because she was the one who, throughout the story, I was consistently like, please get this right. Like, do the right mm-hmm. thing. Please just get this right. Like, you, you can only, do this. You can do she this. She was the only one you were cheering for. Yes. Yeah. And she was complicated. And you're you're totally right. I put in my note, like, they're all anti-heroes. Every single one of mm-hmm. them. Like, even Monique makes decisions that you're like i'm questioning that decision right um i said they're all anti-heroes except john who i love (laughs) (laughs) he did nothing wrong in his whole life um but yeah no i would agree with that firmly monique grant definitely the hero of the story and i like and i truly hope like after all of this like she gets success i hope that it works out for her positively after this very interesting relationship and encounter that she has with with uh, Evelyn Hugo. Okay, my biggest villain, because we both agree, biggest hero is Monique Grant. Mm-hmm. My biggest villain, my gut reaction, like when I wrote down everything, I just initially was like, Evelyn Hugo. And I like kept going in like my show notes and everything. But when I really started to think about it, I I feel so much sadness for Evelyn. And I, I don't think that truly she is the villain of her own story. I think that she ruined a lot of things for herself but i don't think she's the mm-hmm. villain i think the villain was the tabloids Ooh, i thought you were gonna say her dad oh i mean well yeah like he de- he was not a hero by any means he was a terrible human being but i think throughout the story there's one presence that's consistent throughout everything and who was always like we were always trying to outsmart and who was always like tearing everybody down or like Mm -hmm. trying to stir up the drama and it was the tabloids every single time i think they were the villain of the story and really what we were trying to do was root for every character to outsmart and beat them that's a good point okay so we have now gone over you know our biggest villain um biggest hero the next segment and this one is not a standing segment it's just unique to this book it's just unique to seven husbands Emily, which husband are you picking? Give me Rex. Give me <laughs> clever Rex North. Give me my Kit Harrington looking man. I agreed. Mean, I literally put the same thing. The sexual <laughs> tension that the two of them had was so good. Mm-hmm. And he was smart. And to be honest, he was probably also a feminist considering the time. Like he knew that Evelyn was the true you know, wore the pants. She was the power player and everything. And he was just I there agree. to support her. And he was and ambitious. And he was and he was capable of love, right? Ugh, we saw yeah. that with um, with their co-worker, the, the other woman that he felt like that he ended totally. up marrying. Yeah. I mean, just. I agree. I, I truly think that if Evelyn had not met and fallen in love with Celia, that she would have married Rex eventually for like, just because like it, it felt like the right thing. 
Um, I agree. And because she knew her career would benefit, but I think she would have stayed with him forever. So our next um, question, once again, not a standing segment. I have a feeling we're going to agree on this one as well because we've talked about it. Which <laughs> Evelyn Hugo starring role are you picking on three, one, two, three, Joe? Little Women. <laughs> okay, wait, to be fair, I said personality-wise, I'm Little Women wholeheartedly. But if I could pick any of them, I would pick that French movie where she climbs out of the water and instantly becomes an international superstar. Are you kidding me? Yes. I mean, I, you got to give me Little Women. That would be a dream. Are you kidding oh, me? That would be the best. The best book. It would be so good. Oh, my God. I'm glad that um, Celia St. James won an Oscar for that. I really am. I am, too. Well-deserved. Never saw um, their, you know, their role in that movie. Never saw their adaptation, but I truly believe she was worthy of that award. For sure. Yeah, next standing segment. This one, every single episode, we're going we're gonna to throw one of these at each other. But it's the surprise discussion question. So we either find one, pick one from the internet, or we come up with one ourselves, and we surprise each other with the discussion question. Emily, I'm going to ask you the question first. My question to you is, throughout the book, do you find yourself questioning Evelyn Hugo at any point? Because she tells her story from her point of view, and she does remind us a few times that she isn't the best person, so did you trust her, and was she a reliable narrator for her own life story? I never doubted what she was saying. I never Mm -hmm. felt like any of it was untrue or like not the factual events that had happened but I do think her viewpoint like her personal feelings towards the events are something that are questionable um because she you know you it's like whenever you give your life story right you're only hearing it from your perspective and you, you you're yeah. only have your emotions going into it. Like we never got to hear from anyone else. Um, no, I mean, I, she outlived everybody. She outlived everyone. Um, I never doubted her as a narrator. I, in all honesty, caught on to the, the plot very quickly and like the plot twist and all of that. And so I think Evelyn kind of made it seem like she was unreliable to make Monique feel better when she eventually told her that Harry was responsible for for killing your dad and I'm also the reason that they thought your dad was driving because I moved Harry out of the car I think the whole book was leading up to that point yeah oh but I think that in her doing that like putting myself in Monique's shoes Mm -hmm. the moment she said that I would have been like I don't trust anything else you told me like I instantly. I just think I think I, that you. would have been true had there not been the letter. Ooh, you're right. That's a good point. From from Monique's dad that he wrote Harry, which basically said, "I cannot leave my wife and my daughter." I think had she not had that note, would have been completely different. Yeah. Oof, that's a good point. That is a good point. Okay, I accept your answer. <laughs> My discussion question for you, you mentioned the tabloids earlier. So guys, if you haven't read the book, it's kind of set up like in the the chapters of the husband, but also before each one you get or in between you get tabloid um, photos. So Kylie, do you think the tabloids set the mood for the book, for the chapter, you know, about the husband 
reading it, did it give you a certain connotation going into the next part of the story? Ooh, that is a good question. I think, yeah. I mean, because it would definitely kind of set a scene. But I also think that because we were, like, kind of one of the themes of the book was, like, nothing is real. Like, everything is misdirection. Mm -hmm. Um, It almost felt, like, comical to me. Like, as you're reading them and, like, reading that these tabloids were generally so off base, it was almost funny. So it was kind of like, um, it was tongue-in-cheek almost. Like, that. Mm -hmm. They they were successfully misdirecting everyone in one way. But then you would get to the bottom of it, the nitty gritty, and it was like, oh, wow, this is a lot, um, a lot more than the tabloids suspect. Right. But I think it's a good point that you said, like, they're the they're the biggest villain because some of them were nasty. And oh, yeah. And it painted Evelyn in such a bad light versus all of the men. And I think that's the sign yes. of the times. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, sign of the times still happening. It's all mm-hmm. it, it, it. That was truly interesting. And and. To go back on that, like, that's why I was like, okay, I really think that this is a villain. Because that came to a point, like, it honestly felt like a character in the story because it was a constant. And and generally, like, just what awful, like, vile things were written. I couldn't be a celebrity Mm-mm. with that And kind we of even saw that coverage. directed at Monique, right? In the very beginning, you had that blog post from the guy saying, like, why is she worth writing this story? Why didn't you pick me? I'm Evelyn Hugo's biggest fan. Oh, geez, and yeah. Yeah. And got nasty on that. So good, good thoughts there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm glad that, you know, Monique was hand selected. Terrible circumstances as to why she was hand selected. Mm-hmm. So I guess that this would be a perfect segue into our like next segment. Um, oh, my bad. No, next segment, we're going to do favorite quotes. Before we segue into plot twist, Emily, hit me with your favorite quote from the book. All right, this comes, Kylie, in our books and anyone else who has book of the month. The pages might be a bit off, just warning you. It's on pages 134 and 135 in the goddamn Don Adler section. Sometimes reality comes crashing down on you. Other times, reality simply waits patiently for you to run out of energy it takes to deny it. To me, this was one of the biggest pivotal points of the book, This was right after she decided she was going to leave Don Adler. And she's also learning about her feelings for Celia St. James. And this is shortly after their kiss in the closet. So not only is Evelyn learning to deal with her emotions, she's learning to deal with her sexuality in a time that, you know, thought that the LGBTQ plus community were broken and, and not people. And, she she got she got tired of running away from reality um as someone who was constantly fighting you know she finally accepted her fate and processed everything she was going through yeah i mean think of how oh, i like think historically so you think of someone like rita hayward someone like marilyn monroe coming out in their life like if evelyn hugo had made that decision and like had come out mm-hmm. um because she, but you're right. She finally stops denying it. She finally leans in. She finally chooses happiness. She chooses Celia. Um, man, like think of just the historical waves that that would have caused if someone like Marilyn Monroe had come out during like the peak of her career. You know, right? That's so interesting. I I applaud applaud Taylor Jenkins Reid for this. Um, 
because it was just it definitely put me in a mindset of like wow I was just not because like we said we went into the story with no expectations so I did mm-hmm. I just did not expect the story to take this turn and I was so glad and excited when it did because it was a perspective that like we don't read enough about we don't see enough right. about um the Hollywood starlet harboring this this secret about her identity and like we're just rooting for her to accept her identity and come out like that was very and it was fairly early in the book too right and she spends the rest of her the rest of her life struggling still with these feelings and making it work with celia so yeah i mean i just loved loved how it was written yeah okay i'm gonna hit you with my favorite quote give it to me (laughs) um oh also wait i wanted to say when you read your quote excellent quote by the way yeah. Um, just a note, like you have the best commercial voice. When you started <laughs> reading, I was like, "Am I listening to a commercial?" On oh my TV? gosh! It's like nice I job. do a really good Keith Morrison too, <laughs> from Day One. Uh, ma'am. <laughs> you know, if you don't share now, you're gonna have to share in a later episode. All right, I'll hit it with you. I'll hit it real quick. Let me <laughs> let me quit laughing. <laughs> In a town where this has never happened before, oh my, a woman uh, found dead, killed <laughs> by her son. This town is still trying to figure it out. I mean, he just blew right through the studio. <laughs> oh my gosh, Keith Morrison, Ava, nice to see you. <laughs> I closed my eyes and whoa, they were there. Uh, um, okay, right. okay, quote. here's my quote. <laughs> this is from my page, uh, my book is page 191. <laughs> we're all whores really in some way or another at least in hollywood look there's a reason she's celia saint james she's been playing that good girl routine for years the rest of us aren't so pure but i like you this way i like you impure and scrappy and formidable i like the evelyn hugo who sees the world for what it is and then goes out there and wrestles what she wants out of it so you know put whatever label you want on it just don't change that would be the real tragedy and that came after Celia and Evelyn like really broke things off for that first time, and Evelyn turned to Harry for some much needed uh, TLC, some much needed help. That was his advice to her. I think this was the moment I fell in love with Harry. Ooh, I mean, agreed, agreed. I mean, I definitely liked her. him before, and then I'm, he said this, and I said, "Well, I'm We're all done." Whores. <laughs> <laughs> if you're one, if you're a bird, I'm a bird, Harry. Yeah. Okay, so that segues kind of into our next segment here. Standing segment, we're talking the plot twist, the main plot twist of the book. And and I got to be honest, like it's the elephant in the room. The main plot twist in this book was Evelyn revealing to Monique that in her story, in her long and twisty story, the man who was in the car with Harry, the man that Harry was in love with, was Monique's father. And Emily, you and I made a pact not to talk about the book until we made the podcast, but we did both say, like, okay, so the story was predictable. I mean, because it's laid out chronologically, and we know Mm -hmm. right off the bat, Evelyn is going to outlive all the people she loved, um, all this stuff. I knew that Monique's dad was going to be tied into the story in some way. His name is James Grant. Um... But I, I was still surprised when it was James Grant in the car with Harry. But you weren't. I was not. No. Like I said, I picked up on it pretty quickly. 
honestly, as soon as she said in the book that Monique's dad is a um, a set photographer for films, mm-hmm. and then once, as soon as Harry said after Sean passed away that he had met someone else, I was like, well, that's Monique's dad. That's James Grant. Yeah. Immediately. I mean, yeah. It was nice to have that validation, but it was. <laughs> You're I, like, mean, I already knew. I already knew. knew. Catch up, guys. Come I on. I knew it. Okay, so I did not know it. It was like I knew something was going to happen with her dad, and yet it still felt a little bit like a gut punch. And I think it mostly felt like a gut punch because it was just, it, he was just like left there. Mm-hmm. He was left That's all there. we got to know about him. Right, right? and like, that Monique lived her life thinking that he had been the one drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, what a... And then to, to learn that that's not the truth from unreal person Evelyn Hugo. Like, how ironic in a right? weird way. It was, in all honesty, it was probably the first thing she was real about. I mean, yeah. Well, probably, yeah, first admitting. That's what she had to tell this whole story to gain Monique's trust into really revealing this, the reason they were all there, the big truth. And I think the the other additional plot twist is um, Evelyn killing herself at the end of the book. Yes, I wanted to talk about that. That was, that left me feeling just like, so, I mean, just sad, like truly so sad for her because I, like, I understand totally like why she made this decision. Um, and I'm, and I'm not questioning her decision. It's just, there was something so deeply sad about this woman dying alone mm-hmm. when she had already spent so much of her life just alone. Like she sacrificed herself, sacrificed others all for glory. And she went out alone, like really the same way she started. Everything was alone. I felt uneasy at the ending. I I was, honestly, that plot twist took me more by surprise, even though you could tell that it was coming. I'm surprised it happened so quickly because it was it was as soon as they finished their interview and she did that photo shoot for the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. It was like in that moment, it was cemented. It was in that moment, Monique was like, oh, I know oh, I know what's happening. And she's been mm-hmm. saying, like, she'd asked her, like, well, how long am I supposed to sit on this story? And Adeline's, you know, not long. <laughs> right. I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting. And that kind of ties into the ending, right? Which is our next standing segment. You know, in the end, Evelyn does commit suicide. Was it physician's assisted? Oh, no. I, no, she did that herself. That's right. That's right. She did it herself. Um, that last chapter, I'm pulling up mm-hmm. my book, so if you hear this, ASMR, um, and it's my book. <laughs> um, that part where Monique is walking away and she knows what's going on, and she gets into the subway, which if you've ever been to New York, if you've ever lived in New York, and you go on the subway, what a moment to be having an existential crisis like this, for real. <laughs> yeah. It's like you. Just hopping on the L train, having a. You break down <laughs> contemplating someone's life. Like she literally says, should I knock on her door? Should I call 911? Should I stop her? And she's on the subway having this. <laughs> like, 
What a scene. Please stand back from the closing doors. Like, you probably have, like, the mariachi band playing on one end, or you've got those guys who are, like, doing flips around the subway car, right. and she's just sitting in her chair, like, with this crazy weight now on her shoulders. What the, the New York City pub- The New York City public or what is it the new york city Transport? police department can uh evaluate any bags <laughs> man where are you going with this <laughs> just um, the shit you have to hear oh on yeah. top of wow this woman's dead oh my gosh it's okay it's that part really challenged me because it's like so we've heard this whole story from evelyn we understand her life she's made this decision like that internal battle, the, that position that Evelyn put Monique in sucks. It sucks. It totally sucks. It does suck, but I think it is what Monique needed to get out of her loveless marriage. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We haven't touched on her husband, David, um, who was a wet blanket. He's not that important. Never be a David, guys. You can be any character. Never be a David. Ugh. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and I think Evelyn Maybe knew she. Villain? Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> I think I think Evelyn knew she gave Monique everything she needed to succeed. I mean, she did, but at but at what cost? She gave Evelyn. Evelyn gave Monique everything Monique needed to succeed, but she was also cursing her with the truth of her father and Mm -hmm. with the responsibility of having to walk away from someone when she knew, like knew exactly what that person was about to do. Very interesting. But I also think Evelyn wouldn't have done it if she didn't, if she knew she wasn't going to get the outcome she was supposed to get. Cause she's just that calculating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know. It's nice we can finally talk about the book. I know. We've been sitting on this forever, and it is nice to finally get it out because it's like that ending, like this whole story, like I am on board, you know, like with most of the decisions that are being made. I'm like, well, maybe Mm -hmm. I don't agree with it. Like, for example, Monique, like lying to her editor all the time. Evan Uh and I both come from communications backgrounds, and the whole time I was like, oh, the anxiety I was getting. I'm breaking out into hives. I put it on my to-do list to tell the editor about this. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh i can't keep this massive story from my editor um i have to follow the rules um right. so for the most part but yeah i was saying like the i'm on board with the majority of the characters and the decisions that are being made like everything fits and then this ending happens and it's just that like like wow what credit like credit to taylor jenkins reed of just like she she know knew how to take that story and turn it and like whatever you were expecting, whatever you were feeling, she knew how to just like flip it the other way completely. Agreed. And like I said, even though I called it a plot twist, like did not expect all of it. So just chef's kiss for it because it was unreal. Um, really quick, while we're talking about the ending, I want to, you know, we're in the segment, the end, and I want to talk about the end of the book. And in particular, I want to talk about um, page 383. It's something that Monique says, and it's something she says about love and about, her father, and it comes after she's had a conversation with her mom about whether her mom and her dad were in love. Um, This is what she said. When you dig just the teeniest bit beneath the surface, everyone's love life is original and interesting and nuanced and defies any easy definition. And maybe one day I'll find someone I love the way Evelyn loved Celia. 
Or maybe I might just find someone I loved the way my parents loved each other. Knowing to look for it, knowing there are all different types of great loves out there is enough for me for now. There's still so much I don't know about my father. Maybe he was gay. Maybe he saw himself as straight but in love with one man. Maybe he was bisexual or a host of other words, but it really doesn't matter. That's the thing. I loved that closure because and I also loved this like duality of of Monique's father and Evelyn Hugo and how they were almost mirrors of each other in terms of sexuality like that through Monique learning Evelyn's story like maybe that almost helped her accept her father's sexuality in a way because Monique felt, or uh, because Evelyn felt the same way about her own sexuality, is like, maybe I'm gay, or maybe I'm bisexual, or maybe I'm just in love with just this one woman. I just thought that was so interesting, just the nuance of love and sexuality and, and all of that. I, and it goes back to Taylor Jenkins Reid's ability to bring it all together. And when you close the book, you're like, I just read a literary masterpiece. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's, I, I felt better for having read that. Like, I feel better for having had this perspective and this kind of story brought into my life, for sure. I mean, we love to see it. What a powerful ending. What a powerful ending that she learns the truth about her dad and then and she accepts, accepts it. him. Yeah, accepts the truth, accepts him, and is able to find closure, like, within herself. So interesting. I mean, good stuff. Good stuff. Unreal. Unreal. Big, right. wait, big fan of Seven big Husbands fan. of Evelyn Hugo. Um, all right, real quick. Um, how many stars are you giving it? Oh, geez. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it four and a half out of five stars. I I'm second it, that. Yeah, because, you know, it is, like, it is a near... It is a perfect book. But also, maybe I haven't read the perfect book yet, so maybe I'm going to reserve the five Good stars point. for <laughs> the book <laughs> that is absolutely perfect. But it is like a near-perfect book. Everything about it was so good. The characters were so good. Characters were unreal. Unreal. We unreal. We had dynamic. We had love. We had drama. We had unusual characters. We had side we characters. We had happiness. We had we had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in this We had book. the seven deadly sins. I we mean. did. I mean. Very good. A 10. Uh. All right, guys. As we wrap up each episode, we're going to highlight an independent bookstore. This episode, I am highlighting Blue Stockings in New York City. They're a queer, trans, activist bookstore in the Lower East Side. They have everything under the sun. Go check them out. You can order online. Their Instagram handle is Blue Stockings NYC. And they're just. Hit them up. We are pro independent bookstore on this book club podcast, by the way. Yes. On the the characters pod chat, um, go to an independent bookstore. Do it. Flip through the books. You know, really dive in there. Maybe fall in love. I was just about to say, fall in love, get a pastry, become a character, show up that day as a character in that bookstore and and let us know how your experience goes. Chances are you'll see Kylie and I at one wandering (laughs) on a ladder like Rebel from Beauty and the Beast. Okay, you could do that and I will be lurking the halls trying to fall in love in an indie bookstore. (laughs) I'm dancing with a candlestick. I'm standing strategically in a corner with a book that I think would be really interesting. And I'm like, maybe, maybe someone will notice and fall in love with me. 
exactly exactly we, we love it and guys once again follow us on social media we're on instagram tiktok twitter where characters chat email us let us know what you thought of this episode did you agree with with our takes on the characters and plots and rapid fire questions we we're looking forward to hearing from you yeah did you love the seven husbands of evelyn hugo did you hate it we want to know your opinion and and hey if you say something thoughtful enough or cool enough or funny enough we will feature you you know we will we'll shout you out um we want to hear what you have to say uh you can email us at characterspodchat at gmail.com that's characterspodchat because because that's Emily and I as a human being wrapped up into one <laughs> pod chat for a podcast. Yeah. But email I mean, us. guys, there are a lot of things that were taken. Oh, my gosh. Finding a name. Finding a name. Having to intro a podcast. What was that? What were we doing? Ugh. Having to close one? How do you end it? We're still I talking, mean. so we don't know. <laughs> On that note, folks, like, I don't know. Keep reading. Keep chatting about books. It's cool to read. We love it. It makes us all more interesting people when we uh, really dive into the books we like. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Be a character. Be a character. Join the book club for everyone, guys. Thanks for listening this far. If you have, I'm impressed. We're both impressed. That's amazing. Uh, We wanted to give you a little treat for having listened this far. And that little treat is the reveal for our next book. The next book that we are going to review is Pride and Prejudice by the lovely Jane Austen. Please get reading right now. It's kind of a biggie. It might take a minute, but we promise it's totally worth it. Before we officially wrap up the first episode, we do want to give a huge thank you to three people who helped make this episode possible. To John Wagner, thank you for helping us with the audio as we fumbled around with our mics. Without you, no one could hear our obnoxious voices and opinions. To Brian Principe, thank you for creating the look and feel for our creative assets. With just a few I want that's, you made our dream a reality. Thank you. And to Luke Schaefer, thank you for the great jingle. We told him we wanted to embody upbeat ABBA, and we think he nailed it. Great job, Luke. Thank you all. We love you. Thank you for listening.